You are listening to Creation Talk, a creation.com podcast, proclaiming the truth to honor the Creator while providing credible answers. Well, welcome, everybody. We're doing something a little different today. There are actually three of us uh, in this podcast because I have two of my very informed colleagues, Dr. Jonathan Safady. Hello, Jonathan. Yeah, good day, everyone. And Dr. Robert Carter. Hi, Rob. Hello, everybody. So, obviously, in the current COVID climate, vaccines has become a very, very hot topic. People have very, very strong emotions and opinions about it. And before we start, let me kind of just set up where we come from as a Christian ministry, if people are not familiar with us. Creation Ministries International, we call ourselves biblical creationists. We take the Bible's history, the origins account in Genesis as true history. And part of that history says in Genesis chapter 3 that humans fell. In other words, they sinned against their creator. And as a result, God put a curse on the world as a reminder that things are wrong. When death occurs, when we get pricked by thorns in the garden, etc., when our loved ones die of cancer, it should be a reminder to us that something is wrong with creation. So ultimately, we live in an imperfect, sin-cursed world. And as I said, part of that is the fact that we have to now endure diseases. When we look at the New Testament, the creator himself, Jesus, when he came to the earth, he healed the sick. He fed the hungry. They were really, really important things to him. I'm reminded of that passage where people said they cast out demons in his name and he said, where were you when I was hungry? And so on. So modern medical advances should not be shunned just on the basis that they might come from some big, large organization or even be endorsed by the government. If they can help, if you like, fulfill what we would describe as part of our biblical mandate, bring healing and uh, the cessation of sickness uh, in the world. So having said that, vaccines, Jonathan, I think, actually recognize God's design because we have a wonderfully complex immune system, don't we? Well, yes, uh, God would have given Adam an immune system to distinguish between self and non-self. And we now know There are probably about as many bacterial cells as human cells in the human body. So even in a pre-fall world, Adam would have had to have an immune system to to, to keep them in their place. But nowadays, it can be trained to recognize new invaders. It's a very, very trainable system. We have the adaptive immune system. And this is what vaccines do. They train the immune system to recognize new disease germs. Yeah, see, uh, my understanding is from the moment we leave the womb, we're actually entering a a new environment and world, bacteria, et cetera, that the body's never experienced before. So immediately our body is already doing that, isn't it, to uh, adjusting to the new environment, Rob, with potential pathogens. It might not be deadly, but could be deadly if left unchecked if our body uh, didn't build up an immunity to them. Well, basically any bacterium is potentially deadly. If our immune system short circuits, we're going to be eaten alive by bacteria. So we're constantly dealing with it. Thousands of species, millions of bacteria, billions of bacteria. Every day, our immune systems are interacting with those things, plus fungi, viruses, and you name it. Yeah, so in a way, vaccines recognize this incredible design in our system. They give the body target practice for a Mm -hmm. potentially risky exposure later on. So now vaccines have an incredible history too. I mean, I think of two very debilitating diseases that literally ravaged people worldwide, smallpox 
and polio. And in fact, I'm the oldest geezer on this podcast and I actually know people who'd suffer from polio and people can look up. I've known two. You know two, yeah. yeah. One of them was my age also. Oh, goodness. From a foreign country, from not from America. Yeah, so people can look on the internet and see how people were treated in iron lungs and so on. I mean, it was a horrible disease, but smallpox has been eradicated. They're working hard. There are a few cases of polio where it might be occurring around around the world. Almost gone. But Jonathan, a, a lot of people have claimed that those diseases have been eradicated because of better sanitation and better water in those countries, but that's not correct. Well, it certainly isn't correct because polio was more feared than the atomic bomb even into the 50s before the polio vaccine was developed. And in the 50s, America was very sanitary, so it wasn't a sanitation issue. Clearly, it was a vaccination issue. And also, we see diseases various diseases dropping in the case number at different times that correlate with the introduction of the vaccine for that specific disease. You see, if it was so sanitation and nutrition, we'd expect to find the case number yeah. dropping at the same time every for every disease, and we don't see that. Polio was uh, still a scourge when it became sanitary. Also, uh, measles outbreaks occur uh, when vaccination is reduced, like in this terrible um, epidemic in Samoa. It wasn't a, a hygiene issue. It was clearly a lack of vaccination issue that got measles erupting again. Yes, I think what can even happen is uh, even some of our medicos today can say, well, you know, we don't have measles around, no need to get vaccinated and so on. But in some respects, that's because they've actually never, ever seen those diseases. So you know, like you say, in last year in Western Samoa, there was a, a mass outbreak and measles is actually a very dangerous uh, disease, particularly mm, yeah. uh, for our children. So some people have claimed, and I actually dealt with this in an email just the other day, that thousands have died from vaccinations, Rob. I mean, I just don't believe that's true whatsoever. Well, thousands of people die every day. And thousands of people die after getting vaccinations if you add up the numbers over a long period of time. But if you just look at how many people die per day, there's no difference between the people that get vaccinated and the people that aren't get vaccinated, car accidents, cancer, whatever still happen. There's no correlation between vaccination rates and death rates. And in fact, so, uh, we were sharing, I think, a study in Denmark of over half a, half a million children that had, been, had received childhood vaccinations and they found not a single cause related of illness in later life to as, as a result of having those childhood vaccinations. And that brings us to another point, because people often say, well, don't you know, like in the flu shot, you know, there's uh, aluminum or aluminium, as we'd say down under, uh, and mercury, you know, and these are poisons and toxins, Jonathan. Well, aluminium is actually official international chemistry name of the, <clears throat> of the, of the element. Yeah, well, um, uh, okay, but the point is, it's very important uh, to understand the first rule of toxicology is the dose makes the poison. You can't tell me as a substance is toxic unless you tell me the amount of the stuff. I mean, water and oxygen can be toxic if you have too much of them. And the thing is, uh, the amount of mercury in the flu shot, you need about a thousand flu shots in a week uh, to get a toxic dose because the mercury is about the same amount as you get in a serving of tuna, but the serving of tuna has a more dangerous form that accumulates. The stuff in yeah. the vaccine doesn't even accumulate. It's excreted within about a few weeks, half-life of a week in the body. And same with aluminium. Yet, it's a very common um, metal in the environment. You're going to get far more aluminium from, from milk, from, from food, from, a source, from cooking utensils than you're going to get in a vaccine. Yeah, and mercury yeah. Yeah, probably from eating large pelagic 
fish yes, or exactly. tuna. Probably oh, it's worse. Was, so. It's Sorry. worse. In fact, yes. And yet, out of an abundance of caution, we have removed mercury from most routine vaccinations, almost all of them. And yet, autism rates haven't dropped. Yeah, that's a big one, isn't it? And and you know, we want to be empathetic here because you know I was watching a doctor the other day and he said on, on YouTube and he says we now have 12 people whose children have got autism after having a vaccination and that makes it sound like somehow there's been some scientific study that proved causality but it, it's a little difficult to say to someone whose child has suffered from autism that it wasn't the vaccine that did it it's our natural human instinct isn't it to look for something to blame but the reality is, as I said at the beginning, we live in a fallen world, and that includes uh, the degeneration of our genome and mutations increasing in the population. Even the autism organizations that advocate for autistic people, they uh, reject the vaccination link. They encourage people to get vaccinated because people notice autism around about the same time as their children get vaccinated and make a, exactly. a connection when, in fact, all you have is and things happening at the same time doesn't prove a causal link. And now we understand autism seems to develop in the womb you know, before any vaccines were involved, but noticed around the time that vaccines were given. So there's no causal link has been disproven as about as much as you can disprove anything. And, you know, and a lot of people say, and particularly in the COVID environment, we've got new vaccines out and some people will mm -hmm. say, well, we don't know the long-term effects of these. The thing we should realise is that every medicine Every drug that comes to market has to go through what I would call a gold standard of testing and trials and so on. All those medicines and drugs are being kind of adhered to. And it's true with anything that we take, we don't know what necessarily the long-term effects, but that's called an appeal to ignorance because you can say that about absolutely anything that we eat, you know, the tea, the yep. coffee, anything that mm. comes to market. Every and new medical advance ever. And I want to point out, too, because another criticism is that, uh, you know, healthy living and taking vitamins and supplements, which, which I take, I'm all for them, uh, yeah, you know, too. will help us fight these diseases. Well, we said at the beginning that we live in a cursed world, so they're not necessarily always going to pre prevent these terrible diseases that we have. But it says something interesting. The supplement market is absolutely massive and it's sold mm. as food and they can make a lot of claims like, hey, take this to stop hair loss or uh, take this to prevent cancer or whatever. And because it's sold as oh, food, yeah. they, they have don't to be have careful the rigorous... with such claims and people mm. get in trouble for false advertising, but they have a lot more leeway than Big Pharma does as far as their claims. Yeah. So I, I give you an example. I've taken fish oil capsules for years. It was in the last two years, um, there was a bit of an investigation that it was coming over in metal barrels and not even being refined, you know, oh, uh, coming over from overseas, not even being refined before it was put into capsules. So it doesn't necessarily have the same safety standards that obviously any medicine or pharmaceutical has to, has to go through. The uh, thing here is also they don't understand the two components of our immune system. You have the innate immune system and the adaptive immune system and these 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 supplements can only train uh, help the innate immune system they cannot possibly help the adaptive immune system because that needs to see what it's adapting to either yeah, by catching a disease or by a, a vaccine against a disease yeah so i remember uh, jonathan you and i having a conversation during the mm. ebola pandemic uh, oh, yeah. epidemic um, in africa 
And uh, we interviewed in Creation Magazine uh, one of the doctors from there, etc. And they very, very quickly developed a vaccine. I mean, Ebola is deadly. It has, I think, about an 80% mortality rate. It's a nasty thing, yes. This uh, doctor was telling me, I met her at an event up in Oregon, and she said they've even been able to give it to people in the very early stages of the illness, and it actually actually cured them. So, again, uh, the idea of vitamins of supplements is to help the body, but actually isn't that exactly what vaccines are doing, Rob? Absolutely. By training our body to identify a harmful pathogen, we're prepared for it and we can head it off when we get exposed to it. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. In fact, they actually do a little more than that. When they um, started introducing measles vaccines to different countries, doctors worldwide noticed a plummeting rate of all sorts of other diseases. And then what they figured out was, oh, measles erases immune system memory. So if you catch measles, you can catch all the diseases you already were you know, self-vaccinated against. And so measles is bad. So some vaccines have a spillover effect. They just enhance health in general. So another thought, too, is, uh, you know, uh, babies, children get uh, infant vaccines. I mean, the doses yes. are obviously uh, adjusted for the, uh, for the baby. And uh, some people say, well, they get too many shots uh, at the beginning. But I think I read somewhere from the moment we're born, we get introduced to literally dozens and dozens Thou- of try thousands. Thousands in, yeah, in the atmosphere anyway. So what's your thought, John, on the fact that, you know, baby has a, a few vaccine shots? Well, I mean, there, there's no way the, the amount of antigen exposed when the babies are born is far exceeds the number ex- of all the vaccines combined. In fact, even ha- grazing your knee, um, the, the immune system is going to work harder than, than all the vaccines combined that you get. In fact, all, you could have about a thousand shots and still um, basically use only 1% of your immune system. That's how good our God has designed our immune system, that even a thousand vaccines would not overload it. We wouldn't even begin to overload it. We see viral emails and uh, even ministries coming out saying, literally, basically saying, vaccines contain baby parts, or at least that's the impression that Mm. they're trying to convey to people. And, you know, that's a very, very scary kind of uh, soundbite, Rob. But, you know, we know that there's been testing on fetal cells, and we'll talk about the history of where they came from. Etc. And then we'll talk about, I'll ask Jonathan about the moral implications, but where does that stand in terms of particularly the COVID-19 vaccines that are coming out at the moment? Well, that's a touchy subject. Lots of arguing, a lot of opinions, a lot of people being squeamish and some people not feeling you know, worried about it at all. The fact is, though, that several vaccines are grown on cell lines derived from abortions that occurred several decades ago. Now, I don't like this. I wish it was otherwise, but it is also pretty standard. In fact, there's a lot of industrial things that have used these uh, cell lines for testing. I and mean, a lot of our products we buy in a supermarket probably have some place where these cells were used somewhere. Most vaccines don't use fetal cells at all. Two of the leading COVID-19 vaccines don't use them at all. Several of the others do. Several other vaccines that you might get routinely were cultured on fetal cells, usually to grow up a a virus or something like that that can be heat killed and then injected into the arm. So there's a great debate. Uh, There's a lot of angst. But in the end, these products are purified. So Mm. it's not like you're injecting the leg of a baby into your arm or anything like that. Now, Mm. there'll be some molecules, yeah, from that culture. 
And it's not like the cultures are necessarily 40 or 50 years old because a culture doesn't last that long. We continually have to go to older stocks and and resurrect from a freezer an older stored culture and then grow that, and that's used to make a new vaccine thing. And eventually, those stocks are going to run out, and then we're going to have a crisis because scientists are either going to have to make a new one or find some other way to do it, and I hope they do that, that doesn't use fetal cells at all. CMI, we are a pro-life ministry, and the reason we're pro-vaccine is because we are pro-life. Now, Rob said that's not an ideal situation, but this happened you know, back in, for example, with the HEK293 cells, back in the 1970s. You and I, as recipients of a vaccine, we did not take part in that murder. And I'm kind of reminded of you know, Joseph's admonition to his brothers you know, in Egypt when they turned up. He said, you know, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So we have an unfortunate situation of a, a baby being aborted. We don't really know the circumstances. A lot of people have strong opinions to say mm. that they do. But the cells from that baby are used to help in some way or form you know, even used at a testing stage to develop a vaccine that can potentially save hundreds of millions of people. Well, I mean, I could also add the crucifixion of Jesus was a monstrously evil act, one of the most evil acts that could be committed, and yet we have, our salvation depends on his death, right? So we can also talk about, uh, see, the organ donor. See, an organ donor uh, can be a murder victim. Now, if you take that organ, you're in no way condoning that murder. You're in no way encouraging more people to be murdered for organs. So as long as you didn't take part in that murder or had anything to do with it, it's, it's morally right to take an organ from that murder victim or drink driving victim. I think this is the same thing with, with taking a vaccine uh, derived from a baby aborted sinfully um, 50 or so years ago. We are, we are not responsible for that sin. And we're also not encouraging other people to make mm. to do the same sin because that's why the babies are dated decades back. So clearly no more babies at the moment are being used, um, are aborted to make vaccines. We're not encouraging further evil by this act. Yes, and I think, uh, Rob, we now are at the stage with technology. They can use other methods to derive cells that can be used for, for testing, etc. And it's time. And people are demanding it. And the vaccine and other you know, pharmaceutical companies, they know the public is getting really antsy mm. about their use of fetal cells. And new things will be coming along. They will change something because of they want to make money, honestly. And if half the people refuse to take their product because it has some association with the abortion industry, they'll change. Well, I yeah, think I, as a parallel with the stem cell, because at one time embryonic stem cells was all the rage, but now – Adult stem cells have been so uh, have been proven yeah. so good that the embryonic stem cell industry is dead. It's, it's, it's not only immoral; it's also ineffective. And I think that's the way forward with this: use some sort of adult stem cell as the culture medium, uh, which is a uh, which I'll is put a up my hand right now. I volunteer. Yeah, you can have my cells, pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the evil, the evil is remote, and in some cases, you, you know, people have to look at the individual vac vaccines because the connection is also quite tenuous. But the reality is, and I've heard this a lot, well, I'll probably only, you know, get a cold or, you know, people say, well, I've had the flu and <clears throat> I've survived it. Um, I can tell you the flu, I've had it twice. I caught swine flu and I've had flu in an earlier stage of my life and I was bedridden and I felt so sick. I thought mm -hmm. I was, I literally thought I was going to die. I've never felt so ill in my life. So it's a bit of a a false idea to say, well, you know, I'm healthy, I won't get really sick. 
tens of millions of people catch the flu in the United States every year, and on average, 30,000 die. We've had far less people contract, say, COVID, but we're up to 500,000 deaths in the United States alone. So surely, Jonathan, the results or the risk of not taking a vaccine is actually greater than taking it. Oh, much more. And I think people, I mean, don't realise that death isn't the only thing that go, can go wrong. I mean, but the thing is, uh, if, if you've got thousands of deaths every year from influenza, it's a dangerous disease. But then you've got 400,000 hospitalizations uh, in the 2019 to 20 um, season. And of course, you've got lots of medical visits, which are a cost, uh, lots of work absenteeism. So the, the cost of non-vaccinating far exceeds the cost of, of vaccinating. And also flu shots are not even associated with the aborted baby issue because they're cultured on chicken eggs. As I said, it means there's less likely for chicken, the, the flu virus to mutate in the egg cell, therefore not match what's uh, circulating wildly. So now use uh, dog kidney cell lines. But again, those mm. are moral because they are in the Dominion mandate. We're allowed to use chickens and dogs for, to benefit ourselves. That's moral. We have lots of emails about this. We are a scientific organisation. I want to point out to people who are listening because some people are saying, oh, well, those guys, you know, they're just towing the the big pharma line or they're just towing the government line on this you know as a ministry we employ scientists all around the world you guys are phds you've given up your careers uh, in universities and and uh, you know as like others in the mainstream science uh, industry you could never go back you've burnt your bridges to work for biblical creation we've got no skin in the game because yeah. our ministry has been opposing mainstream science the mainstream science of evolution for over 40 mm. years so yeah. when we deal with people with the science and the correct theology, we, that's often what we hear. Oh, well, you guys are just in big pharma or I just don't trust the government. It's wise probably not to trust the government, but doesn't necessarily mean that everything governments do is bad for us. And I know you've written an article on why CMI rejects conspiracy theory. Yeah, both of us together. Both together, of us yes. co-authored, yes, mm, sorry. Yeah, yeah we are a, a science advocacy organisation. We don't hate science. We don't distrust science. Science is good and it's real. Where we part from the mainstream is in historical sciences. We have, I mean, operational science. We can test things. We can know things. We can run experiments right now, right today. And there are things we can absolutely know. What we don't know is history. That's why we use the Bible as a guide for history and why we reject evolutionary science. Mm. But vaccines are part of evolution, part not evolution, they're part of operational science. We yeah. can do this, we can do that, we can do that. Oh, it protects you from disease. Is yeah. there a risk? Yeah, but the risk is demonstrably smaller than the disease itself. Yeah. That's why we advocate for them. By orders of magnitude. I mean, the, yeah. a thousand of times less risky than the disease. And I might say that vaccination was discovered by creationists too. So why should we avoid yeah. it? We should embrace it. So we're kind of back to where we started, aren't we? So this is operational science, things you can demonstrably repeat and test. We know that vaccines have worked. They've reduced the incidence of deadly diseases. They've made humanity healthier. That's a good thing. Healing the sick was part of mm. Jesus's mission on earth. And we should follow, I believe, what Jesus did. All of us should be pro-Bible. We're not anti-establishment for the sake of it. We're, no. only, we're pro-Bible and the anti-establishment only when it, when it contradicts the Bible. We shouldn't be anti-establishment as our, our primary focus. And I'll say that's one of the things mm -hmm. I've always loved about CMI because the Bible doesn't speak about everything, but you can use the Bible to, mm -hmm. to derive, if you like, biblical wisdom about how you know, we should act and operate uh, in our world. 
Viewers and listeners, thank you for joining us today. We welcome your comments, but uh, you heard me say at the end there, please engage us with science and facts. I'm going to be frank. If there's comments like, well, you know, you guys are just idiots because you just believe the government, we're probably not even going to post it because it's not meaningful discussion and you haven't engaged with the points that we've had here. Now, we're going to post some links to some very important articles at the bottom one uh, by Jonathan about vaccinations in general, and it deals with probably most of the arguments that some of you might have. And then uh, Dr. Robert Carter's excellent article on the two mRNA vaccines. You know, is that going to alter our DNA and all these types of things that people are, are saying. So thanks for joining us. And again, this is such an important topic. We encourage you to share this video and encourage your friends to subscribe. Vaccines demonstrably save lives. And ultimately, we believe that is a good thing. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.